Welcome to episode 812 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alrighty, team, welcome along to episode 812. I am Talk of Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm okay, Bevan. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty fired up. Actually, I had a bad night's sleep. Oh, I, I don't no. had a bad night's sleep, I had a great sleep, but then I woke up at like 2.30. Oh, no. So then I tried to go back to sleep, didn't really happen. Mm. So it might be a bit yawny today. I woke up a bloody bit early on Saturday when a dog was out the back of our house attacking our guinea pig. Oh, no. In the middle of the night. Bloody what happened? Mongrel dog. We managed to get rid of the dog. Poor old guinea pig. Lost a bit of hair. Did it get into the cage? No, that guinea pig was out roaming. Our guinea pig's free range. I don't know if oh, she's going to keep that up. Oh, jeez. So, Poor guinea pig. It is. That'd be pretty horrific. Because oh. a guinea pig's like this size. And getting thro- ragged, thrown around like a rag doll. Oh, it would not be fun. No. I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Our amazing patrons. You can go first. Leonard's The Gifted Artist Monterio. We've got Adam Big Snozzle Barnsley. And Jeff, the Jackhammer Roberts, was out Jeff. doing some hill reps with us yesterday, and he was loving it, running up and down some steps. Where, where do you do that? Next to the kids' school, St. Martin's School, is this, oh. this stairway to hell, I think they call it. Is it? It's because you're not allowed to use one by Rapaki anymore, are you? No. Oh, well, really? Yeah, anyway. Is that sign, John? Yeah, that's just some local busybody putting up their sign. Yep. You can use them. Uh, you know, these steps are couple hundred meters long they're pretty brutal are they very brutal i've never done them um in this week's show we've got some news we've got a hot topic of the week we've got an interview we are talking to laura sadell who is a bit of a fan favorite especially down here in christchurch but uh lovely lady fantastic athlete and just been elected onto the pto board yeah i think she's a good elective because she's Got some good thoughts. Um, Wanger wang of the week, website of the week, questions and answers at the end. Okay, Jombo, not many races, but we did have a half distance Ironman happen in, is it Australia or Austria? Australia, the Husky Ultimate. So uh, I, think, I think you go Australia, you go AUS. Well, I don't, I go AUZ. You should know that but by that'd be, now. That'd be, wouldn't you go Australia? Because Aus, the Aussies with a Z. Ozzy, Oz. Oh, whatever. I, I, you should know by now. So I, it's been sorry. 20 years yeah, we've been doing yeah, this. Sure I know. Uh, Grace Thieke took the females out by five minutes uh, with a 27-minute swim, 226 on the bike and 122 on the run. I have a feeling the Husky might be, it's not quite a half distance. I think it might be more that sort of 100K, but I could be wrong. And then on the boys' side, you had Caleb Noble take it out over Tim Van Berkel by about three minutes or so. And that was all the racing we had last weekend, but we've got a bit more coming up soon. Well, one of the things that we are going to talk about is that the St. George course has been announced and it looks like it's going to be, at least on terrain, more challenging than Kona. Yeah, so obviously the conditions won't be as tricky. Uh, so the swim, I saw Sky Monch sort of did a little YouTube clip about it and I think the potential for the swim to be a bit chilly could, could happen okay. there and that could definitely have an impact on some athletes. Probably not a complete game changer, but you know some athletes do not deal with the cold and if you have that combo of maybe a cooler day, especially in the morning, and a cool swim, uh, it could sort of uh, affect people a little bit. It's got 7,300 feet of elevation on the bikes that's 2225 meters which is quite a lot um, you compare that to Kona which is roughly sort of about a thousand meters ish uh, maybe a little bit more so it's going to be a hillier bike course um, but you you know again when you haven't got those tricky conditions 
I still think there'll be some uh, some plenty of groups coming in off the bike. Um, Kona's pretty fast nowadays. It is, yeah. So do you think but, this will be fast? Yeah, it, 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 when we look at the 70.3 results from there from the Worlds, they still went pretty Smoking quick. It. I think the okay. roads look look good. So even though there is elevation, which is great, um, maybe it won't break things up, but it'll probably tire some people out a bit for the run. And the run has also got some elevation in it. It's got 1,400 feet of climbing, um, which is about 426 metres. Kona's actually deceptively got a bit more elevation than some people realise. It's got about 350 metres of climbing. You are generally, you know, you're going up and down a lot in Kona. It's definitely got flat sections, um, but it's got a lot where you're either just slightly going up, slightly going down. And you've got the big climbs. You've got the big climb, yeah. you know, up Palani, you've yeah. got a long elite drive, you've got a few lumps along there, and when yeah. you're on the Queen K, it's sort of going up and down a bit. You can still keep a good average pace, you know, taking the heat to one side. So, but yeah, what I guess what I'm saying is St. George to run, it's not going to be flat, and that will have an impact. But overall, Conditions shouldn't be too severe. Uh, it's going to be a stacked field. It's going, to be, it? going to be awesome. It's in May. So okay. we haven't got too long to no, wait. No, they're coming really quickly. Okay, also we've had some changes for the PTO Athlete Board. So Meredith Kessler, Rachel Joyce. Rachel is totally retired now, isn't she? Oh, yeah. she's. Yeah. I, think, I think she's... Mm, well, she's definitely got one kid. Yep. I'm not sure if she's got two uh, now. Sarah Pampiano, we've got Scott DeFilippis and Dylan Manice have uh, moved on. I think it's a two-year period, isn't it? Sounds that way. Yep. And so they had already announced some people last year, but we've had two more announced. Laura Sadell, who we'll talk to later on today, today and Matt Henson have now recently joined the board. We have. So that was uh, it's good times. I love what the PTO are doing in general, as you'll hear later on, you know. There's still things to work on, but overall the direction they're heading in is pretty cool for us from a spectator point of view. The other thing is um, we're going to be seeing later on this season, we're going to see the first ever world um, indoor sort of triathlon championships you know, on the on the Zwift platform, uh, which I think is going to be great. You know, It's done in conjunction with Super League uh, and also going to be, it's endorsed uh, as a proper world title from World Triathlon. And How many athletes will they have in it? Uh, I'm not sure exactly of the, how the structure they're going to do. Normally in Super League, you know, it's kind of invite only. Yeah. But because it's a world championship, I, I'm guessing they're going to have to. But they'll be open limited on how up. many people they can have. Well, they? you have heats and finals potentially. Oh, true. Yeah, I'm not sure point. of the format, so yeah. that's just me speculating. As if you're having a world championship, sure you can have qualifying standards, but you know anybody in the whatever top, you know, for, for a um, world triathlon race to be eligible to race that you have to be inside a certain ranking or your country has to be in yep. a certain ranking and they can enter you so I'm picking for this they're going to have to have a similar model where you can't just pick your favourites it's going to be done on a on a ranking basis so in the past we've seen people like you know Tim Don maybe did it last year I think did one of the races yep. or it might have been the year before and we've seen some long course athletes do them in the past this time around um, I'm sure it will have to be done on a ranking system so we did have at the weekend they had the, the cycling version of it they had the UCI it's pretty boring. Sports. Oh, I just watched it at the end. was fantastic. Yeah, the last year, but you wouldn't watch it other than the end. But that's you? bike racing. Yeah, no, but watching a computer game just with big pack rides along for. Yeah, that's, that's bike racing. Um, <laughs> but the, the ending of this was, was fantastic. So they had the UCIE Cycling World Championships. Um, and they, the good thing was they finished on an uphill, so there was a bit of action uh, happening there. You had uh, Lewis and a guest from um, the Netherlands take out the, the females and then Jay Ryan taking out the, the boys race. So, yeah. Just one thing I will it's say happening. With, with the Super League is if you're in the UK, I think they're only charging £18 to go watch it. Cool. Really reasonably priced. I think if they do it right. It'll be a great event. I don't think, I don't think really do really things right. 
I don't think you'd really do it that wrong. You know, it's, it's a pretty straightforward formula because if you've got a big screen, you're going to be able to yep. see it. You just need a good commentator, good music. Good atmosphere. And, uh, uh, and with a crowd, because they had it last year, didn't they? And it was, it was actually interesting to watch. Oh, yeah, it was um, great. Yeah. But there was no crowds. But you put a crowd in there. And you have to have the big screen because obviously they're all going to be on the treadmill and you're not going to actually yeah. know how they're going. But I'm sure they'll get that, that sort of stuff right. I think it's got the potential to be Because in the amazing. 80s, they tried to do indoor cycle race, didn't they? Or indoor triathlon. And it, you know, it was a bit of an novel idea that didn't really work. But nowadays with technology, mm. and as you say, if you had the screen of all the runners and all the splits and all the rest of it, it does actually become quite exciting to watch. So I'd be really fascinated to see the people who do go. But I just felt it's £18. That's a really reasonably priced for a spectator. And I'm wondering if we're going to see more specialists in that format of racing. So last year we saw Beth Potter doing extremely well. And when it went on to the triathlon racing, she probably didn't match quite those same standards. Maybe she was in better condition when she was doing that than when she was later on. She's a really good athlete, but she was a dominator in, in that format. Um, whether or not we see, you know, start to see more Super League specialists, mm. both indoor and outdoor, versus, say, your Olympic distance athletes, and then obviously you've got your half Ironman and the, and the Ironman, whether we see more and more specialisation going forward. And do you think you'll see athletes who actually go, that's my career? If there's money there, yeah. Yeah, well, there is, isn't mm. it? It typically pays pretty well. Mm. You know, and if you're a young, it, it seems like the Super League format does favour the younger athlete it does, certainly seems that way yeah so uh, we've also got some racing coming up this weekend and we've got the Dubai 70.3 happening we have we've got some uh, big kahunas racing over there should be very fast action we've got Martin Van Riel Daniel Beckengard and Christian Blumenfeld uh, heading the, the men's field if you were putting money down on that you'd probably say uh, Christian Blumenfeld so it'll be interesting to see what sort of shape he's in you know heading into the we're sort of going to have a you know, two meaty parts of the season this year when you've got sort of May for the for the World Championship race and then these guys are doing the sub-7, sub-8 is going to be, I think it's in June, I think it was, uh, and then you're going to have October. So it's going to be quite a split season. So seeing what sort of shape he's in now will be cool to see, um, but pretty pretty solid field. And then on the female side, you're going to have uh, two of the big hitters with Daniela Reef taking on Laura Phillip. Um, so, yeah. Everybody keeps thinking, oh, I wonder if Daniela Reese passed it. She had some some average races last year, but she has not passed it yet. So no, no, you wouldn't you wouldn't put your house on her uh, past your peak. No. We also had some news about a race called the Couples Challenge It's a race where basically a big big wealthy man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ben Aitkins is his name. He is a bank owner and does lots of real estate. And he's basically a passionate age or age group athlete. Not that fast, but he just said wanted to put on a race that really backed the sport. Um, we've seen a few of these guys over the years, haven't we? We have. This, uh, uh, I'm not sure why I haven't heard of this. We're, it just it's, a, it's an interesting concept. Yeah. So it's called the Couples Championship, and it's going to be uh, obviously a couple, and they're doing it. It's over a short distance, so it's even shorter than sprint. It's a, a 0.25 a mile swim or 400 meter swim, a 10 mile bike or 16 kilometers, and then a 3.1 mile or 4.65 kilometer run. Uh, is 100k prize money up, and I'm not sure if that's just winner takes all, uh, or if there is you know, a good prize pool. Um, the model they're going with is going to be interesting as well. They're they're charging, they're doing you know live coverage, and they've got Greg Bennett, who's a fantastic commentator, yep, uh, former is. fantastic athlete, and they had someone else on there as well. Um, Heather Jackson, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right, yeah, Heather yeah. Jackson, who I think this guy sponsors also. So. It's going to be interesting, you know. It's short, short course, so it's not going to be really long. They're charging seven dollars ninety nine to watch it, and it's, 
Yeah, which is interesting. And we're going to have that as our discussion of the week. What's is, the field? Uh, well, the field is, I, I scanned through and it's actually, I think it's going to be a bit of a cakewalk for um, one couple. But when I was scanning through, until I got to the last couple, I thought, this could be really interesting. There's, uh, there's really different dynamics. So a few of the, the good athletes, you've got Josh Amberger, which we know is a great 70.3 athlete, along with Ashley Gentle, who's an awesome short course and 70-point athlete. Um, you've got Emma Pallant-Brown, who's awesome. I don't know what her partner, Jared, Jared Brown, Brown, is like. Yeah. Uh, then uh, last week, we had our pros of the week. We had Marjolaine Perrier and Clement Mignon, two oh, yeah. young French athletes. They will be a powerful duo. Um, Miranda Carfrey and Tim O'Donnell, if they're in shape, they should be okay. Um, Paula Finlay and Eric Lagerstrom, um, both of those. Obviously, Paula Finlay on her day is incredible. Eric Lagerstrom's solid as well. Uh, then we scroll down further. We've got a couple of Kiwis, Sam Kingsford and Sam Osborne. They focus more on the sort of exterior. You've got Kirsten Casper, who's a very good short course athlete, and Matt Sharp, who's Richard also Murray? good. Yeah, and then you get down to the, the meaty, meaty ones, I'm thinking. You see Rachel Klammer and Richard Murray, um, both awesome short course athletes. Richard Murray's had some heart issues, but I believe he's heading back, and he's just actually changed his allegiance to race for um, for Holland um, oh, from really? South Africa because he's married to, to a duchy and, and lives over there. Uh, and then the final couple, they went, oh, okay, they're probably going to smoke them. Yeah. Not the final couple, but we've got Vincent Louis and Taylor Spivey. Yeah. Uh, and those are both, you know, both top five in the world athletes. I would say that they will clean up, but there's lots of good couples here. Yeah, uh, Je- yeah that's a pretty strong field, isn't it? Jenny Metzler and Justin Metzler, you know, they, they were both on Collins Cups teams. So how many have you got? You've got three, six, nine, twelve. Uh, it's about 20-odd couples there. Okay, so the race is basically one partner gets in, does 2.45 miles, which is 400 metres. They bike 16 k's and they run 5 k's. And then the partner two jumps in, and so it's just continuous, is it? I'm assuming it's just a relay format. So uh, whether all the females go first and then all the males or vice versa or whether you can pick and choose. Uh, but yeah, it's just an interesting concept. we interested to see, A, what the coverage is like, uh, and B, if it's just something that can kind of take off. It's a bit gimmicky. It's at the start of the season. It's at a beautiful, it looks like it's down in the Florida Keys or in that sort of area. So it's a nice location to go away with your couple and get put up at a nice place. Uh, so yeah, I'm all for it. It's going to be a um, good time of the year to go and have a little hit out. One thing I will say about the website, whoever designed it, this thing's a little bit frustrating. Because <laughs> <laughs> basically they've got all the athletes and they've got all their links and stuff, but you don't, they don't show them until you scroll over it. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of these little white boxes and then you, you don't really figure out what you, what's with these white boxes around. And then you scroll over and, okay, like YouTube channel for Rennie and, and yeah. um, uh, what's her husband's name? Tim O'Donnell. Tim O'Donnell. Um, yeah, so, yeah, interesting. That's interesting. Uh, okay. Oh, shit. There we go. Um, but, yeah, we'll be interesting. Now, I know this is going to be the next week's discussion, but it happens this week. Yeah. Would you pay? Are you going to pay? I would. Um, however, I'm not here, so I might not. <laughs> If I was at home, I'm away for the weekend. I probably would, out of general interest. Um, they'd need to do a good job to keep me on board and, and make it, you know, a, an interesting product. And we'll discuss this this week. But it's one way that I guess we can be supporting the pros as well a little bit because I don't think it's going to line anybody's pockets when you're paying seven ninety nine. And if it gives the pros, you know, I don't know. I just want them. I just want to see more of the stuff. 
I'd rather do pay-per-view than pay a, an annual sort of subscription to you know a sports company over here in New Zealand to, to watch a million different sports that I don't um, want to watch. So I, I am into pay-per-view. I, I've done it with the Clash races and, and watched them and um, yeah. My thoughts on that is it's, it's almost fragmented in a way that's frustrating because mm. like I, nowadays, like the sports I like to watch, cricket, rugby and league, you know, that's mm. what I like to watch. I watch some other sports occasionally, but I'm going to commit to those. If NRL said, give me a hundred bucks a year, just watch all the NRL, great. Mm. Good. You know, like, like triathlon or world, mm. world triathlon. World yeah. Um, but bits and pieces, mm. um, but, uh, you know, unless, yeah. it, unless it's something really special. Um, it would be nice to have one triathlon provider. Yeah. Go, it's just a hub. You know, pay a hundred bucks and you have access to Ironman races, challenge races, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, the fragmentation of it, because it, it makes you make a decision every time. Whereas if you just had the subscription to a triathlon channel that pretty much covered all the races, mm. gave you everything you wanted, you might drop a hundred bucks, 200 bucks in a year, but you know, it's all there. Mm. It's a different thing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, so. It's funny though. I mean, like, it's half a bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Value. It's a jar of peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, value. Yeah. How do you make you feel value? We shouldn't even be thinking about it. Should just I've been doing some really bu- awesome business learning recently about value and uh, and how you position your product with, as value. And uh, it's been interesting because I've been learning some stuff about sales and I've been doing some sales calls, which I don't normally do for my business, but we've been doing because I'm trialing stuff and I, I want to employ someone to t- take over our sales. Um, and if, if you position well, like, I mean, this sales process I've been learning, you get to the sale point in the conversation, people say yes and they don't even ask the price. Mm. And then you tell them the price, and they're like, oh, that's so cheap. And mm. we're not a cheap product, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's anyway, off topic. Uh, okay, uh, what else we got here, John? That's pretty much it. Let's get into this week's discussion. So how would you structure the sub seven, eight if you were going to be the manager or an athlete taking it? Is the number of comments we had reflective of how much interest there is? In oh, really? Not how much. Pretty thin. Uh, or is it that people don't know? Yeah. Well, we're going to start educating you today. Uh, Richard Swan says some cheap uh, get some cheap Kenyan runners who are professional big city marathon pacers. So we don't really understand that world. Swanee's uh, he he loves marathon world. There are so many pacemakers around the world that get paid to go out there and pace. Uh, it's just something that does not happen in the world of triathletes. So why get a triathlete to do it when you can get a quicker and cheaper Kenyan who earn their living as a pacer? Here's a question: How much do you reckon the guys who did the sub two got paid? Oh, I've got no idea, but pretty pretty helpfully. Yeah, you think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, Joseph Mohul's got, uh, I thought there was no drafting in the sub-7 attempt. I'd invite the previous champ- Kona champions and then I'd sort them out by year and deploy them by hat size. <laughs> okay. And one uh, more. One more. <laughs> uh, Scott Watkins, I reckon a pace line in the swim, maybe six people with the strongest swimmers doing the longest turns and the sub-7 guys uh, coming straight through off that and then maybe a mini peloton with sub seven guys in the middle and riders coming in and out um, as per allowed. Arrowhead formation on the run seemed to work on the Nike project. Luckily, I've done a little bit of work on this because nobody yeah. else was really that interested. Okay, tell us about so it. What, crunch, what you done? I tried to crunch a few numbers just to sort of um, get in perspective where the records stand at the moment and where they need to get to. So let's start with, I didn't actually do Daniela Reef, and when, when we interview Laura Sedell later in today's show, she said, not Daniela Reef, um, uh, Nicholas Spurig, she said not, not to write her off. I've, I've kind of written her off already because she's got a broken arm, and yep. uh, to do this, 
you're going to have to have your peak performance, I think, and everything to sort of go right. So Lucy Charles, um, she didn't actually do an Ironman last year um, because she was focusing a bit on the short course side of things and did amazingly well at 70.3 Worlds. Her current PB is 8.31 in rote. That was a 49-minute swim, 4.39 on the bike, and a 2.59 on the run. So on the bike, that's averaging 38.6 kilometres an hour, assuming the course was accurate, which it's quite often not, uh, and on the run, uh, averaging 4 minutes 17 per K. So roughly what it's going to take for Lucy Charles to go sub-8 is uh, is to swim about 46, um, bike around about a 420, so that's going 41.6 kilometres per hour, so she needs to go... Um, you know, basically 20 minutes quicker than what she would in rote, and then I then to make the sub eight, then run a 2.54, which is averaging a 4.07 per kilometre. So when you break it down that way, you're going, hmm, okay, so she's got to ride, you know, three kilometres an hour quicker, and she's got to run 10 seconds per K quicker, uh, and swim three minutes quicker. And you're thinking, got to double, got to draft all of that, you know, but yeah. in the swim, you know, um, that seems pretty doable. 49 for her seems quite slow and wrote. Maybe it was a slow year because we've seen her and swim. swim. Yes, yeah, we've seen her swim really. Um, and she's never really swam with a pack. No. But, you know, like I'm, I'm sure she has at some stage in life, but like in a race, she's always out the front. And three kilometres an hour quicker on the bike, you're thinking, when you've got a pack going, that's probably doable. It's, it's, it's easy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and then, Sorry, and then her run, uh, we've seen her run go to kind of a next level this year in the short course stuff and at 70.3 Worlds. So I would like to think that she is in that calibre to run like a 2.54 when we see other females doing that and, and she's beaten some of those females. So yeah, I think on the Lucy Charles side of it, it looks you know it looks reasonably doable. When I would you, when always you, say. When you factor everything in as well, you're going, well, challenge rote, you've got hills, you've got to get through people and things like that. When this course is going to be perfectly laid out, you're going, hmm, I think probably quite possible. Well, and... and the way you put it there, I'd almost say not comfortable, but mm. you know, if you, you, later on you put a question to Laura Siddell, thousand yep. bucks, we, can they do it or not? You'd put your money on this. I think you probably would. Yep. If everything sort of goes to plan and they have good conditions. Okay. Uh, I'll do the boys first before, I, I'll, I'll go in the females. So this is how I think would be the way to structure it. So you've got to factor in. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be, you know, a bit like the sub two hour. We, when they're on the bike, you're going to have a little motor, motorbike come up to them and pass them the nutrition. Yep. So nutrition, that's another big game changer is you're going to have the perfect amount of nutrition. It's not, you know, going through an Ironman and trying to chug things down. I know pros will be going, I need to get through this, I need to get through that. But when you've actually got a coach and stuff on a motorbike going, right, that's your, the drink bottle, you need to finish that in the next 30 minutes. You know your nutrition is going to be bang on and that makes a huge difference. So I'm yep. assuming that. I'm assuming that the weather conditions are going to be good because if they're not, that makes a big, big difference. Yeah. And the other assumption I'm making is you're actually, they're actually going to be able to get the people that are going to give them the optimal help, um, You know, the, the right athletes that are fast enough and skilled enough to make sure that they're not a hindrance and they're actually helping. So for Lucy Charles, it's quite different to the guys. There's not really any, or only probably a couple of triathlete swimmers that are of any use to her whatsoever. Does it have to be a female? I don't. I was thinking that yesterday. I don't know. I think it probably does, but I don't know the answer to that. 
uh, that changes things. I'm assuming yeah. it's okay, females. Okay, let's assume it is. Okay, yep. Um, so I'm thinking for the swim, because you don't want to. You've only got ten people. You don't want to waste them all in the swim. I reckon you just put one swimmer in, um, either a top top triathlete that's a better, as good a swimmer as Lucy Charles, if not better. Um, but in all likelihood, you'll probably need to go and get a swimmer, and then I use you for the rest of the day. So I'm thinking for the swim for Lucy Charles, you just have one person leading her out and making sure she can hit that time and do it comfortably because she's able to draft all the way through. Um, then I'm thinking on the bike, um, you have two teams of three with a mix of triathletes and cyclists because, again, they've got to be, if they're a triathlete, Lucy Charles is one of the strongest bikers mm. out there. So there's not heaps of triathletes that are going to be able to So why do would this. you have triathletes? Well, that's a good question. Um, not then you could possibly use them for the run as well. Okay. So how many people are they allowed? Ten. Okay. So I'm thinking you have two teams of three with a mix of triathletes and cyclists, and they're going to be swapping out. So you, you might do, you know, X number of laps yep. with three, and then the next three, k three, three, three come in, and you. Sp- I'd probably be saying you'd swap maybe every twenty k for her, okay. um, just so you can get into a nice rhythm and you haven't got lots of changes. Um, Is one swimmer enough? Oh, I think. You're better off saving more for the bike okay. than for the swim. Yeah, because you're going to make a couple of minutes. Yeah, and yeah. the guys, I've got a different format. So that's how I'm sort of thinking. Two teams of three, and you you have uh, th- three people. So it'll be a group of four with Lucy Charles sitting um, either at the third wheel or the back wheel. Um, is there any duathlon wheel champ, like long course duathlon champ? Well, I think you, the, the thing with the triathletes is they don't, they don't have to be massive. They have to be of a similar ability to her because they're going to get a 20K. Say they do laps of 20K, sure, yep. then they're going to get a rest and they're not going to have to do the whole run and they won't have done the swim. Yep. So I think you'd be able to find find a mix. And then on the run, I'd be saying uh, you'd have uh, an, an, a little arrowhead of three in front of her um, and you'd be swapping them out with whoever you've got left over from the bike and some uh, and some people who haven't done either of the first two disciplines. So, But they do need to be expert pacers because, God, it would be frustrating if you're just running to a schedule and let's say she's running, she's want to be running at 4.05 per K, you've got to have somebody that gets on the front and just nails that the whole time and doesn't sort of break your rhythm. It was one of the beautiful things about watching the sub too, just how clockwork that worked, mm. you know, because they, they went the, with the, they the, line. the X file format, didn't they? And they had the line, but even mm. just the, the paces, they just all knew their job mm. and they just, even the transitions out and ins, it was, you know, because you could have tripped them up. It could have been a disaster, and yep. uh, it was it was it was clockwork really. It'll be interesting to see if they have that same sort of thing at this event once they're off the the bike and they've got the you know the line they need to follow, yeah. either the 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 line for a pace they want to hold or a line they need to for do to record, actually yeah. to break the record. On the guys' side of things, you have got Alistair Brownlee and Christian Blumenfeld. Alistair Brownlee's PB is a seven hour fifty, um, which he did in Western Australia with a forty six minute swim, a four ten on the bike, which is averaging forty three point three kilometres an hour, and then a 2.43 on the run which is uh, 3.52 per kilometre not under any pressure at that race he was winning by quite some margin uh, Christian Blumenfeld has got a much quicker um, fastest time at 7.21 however that was with a short swim uh, so you probably add about eight minutes or so onto that, so it's closer to a 7.30. Uh, he biked a 4.02, which is averaging just under 45 Jeez, kilometres per hour. That's amazing. And then he ran a 2.35, which is averaging 3.40 per K in Cozumel. Uh, so obviously it's fast course. Yeah, and and just it seemed like everybody went fast on that day. But forty five k average, and then runs a three forty average pace. But that is uh, the distances were correct. I looked at the Strava. What a freak! 
So what it'll take for the guys, they still need to go a lot quicker than that. Uh, they'll need to get a 45-minute swim, um, which is definitely achievable for Alistair Brownlee, definitely if he's got a draft, uh, even without. Um, Christian Blumenfeld is not such a strong swimmer. They'll need to ride at 3.45 per uh, three hours 45 on the bike which is 48 kilometers per hour and then they need to run about a 230 which is three minutes 33 per k so one of the things that i forgot to mention about lucy charles is the bike the challenge of the bike and this is going to be the same for the guys the mental challenge of being in a in a group on your aero bars going quite a bit quicker than what you normally do and keeping your shit together and not crashing into the person in front of you is going to be a but big surely, battle. Surely these athletes have done a lot of riding for the riders. Well, this is for the guys, I don't think this will be such a big issue. For Christian Blumenfeld and Alistair Brownlee, they're used to it. They've ridden and you know done lots and lots of uh, WTS races. Lucy Charles has demonstrated on multiple occasions she's not that skillful on the bike. Yeah, and that's not being nasty. No, it's no, just no. a fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for someone like her to be in a group and be jittery, takes huge mental energy and quite a bit of stress that will relay into her performance. So hopefully they'll they'll be able to sort that out. But I think that's a real danger for Lucy Charles. Uh, so yeah, the boys have got to go, you know, quite a bit quicker. Um, the, the structure is a little bit different for Brownlee because he's a better swimmer. But I'm thinking slightly different to the to the female. Uh, is the swim, you'd have an arrow of three athletes um, who would lead the guys out because they can be u- utilised later on on the bike and the run. Uh, and then similar on the bike, you'd have two teams of three with the fresher athletes to start and you probably have three cyclists. And my thoughts on the bike is you have the cyclists doing a 40k stints and then the triathletes coming in and doing 20k stints because oh, you nice. use some of these yeah, triathletes for the swim and little stints on the bike, and then you'd use them for the run as well. Yeah. But they're going to have to be of a really good standard again. Cyclists? Uh, just the triathletes, you know, to just yeah. to be able to hold it. Well, together. he was averaging, what, what would you say? He was 45K an hour. You've got to average 48Ks an hour, holding a straight line. For 20K, you could do it, but... You, you could do it. No, well, you and I probably but couldn't, you've but got these to, guys. you've got to ride at an even pace, and the, yeah, it... It takes quite a bit of skill riding that fast on your aero bars. Oh, you're going to go for one pace on the run. Oh, one run pacer. Um, yeah, I've, uh, it depends on how many you've got. Uh, oh, I'd have one runner for the run, okay. um, so that you'd hire a Kenyan, and they would be the pacer on the front. So they'd stay on the mar- them through the whole marathon because for them to run a two thirty yeah, is like nothing, yeah. and they'd just be going. You 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 run at three minute thirty per k pace for forty two k's, and then you'd have two other triathletes coming in and out to form the rest of the arrowhead, and then Christian Blum. Oh, that's funny you say that. Remember behind. years ago they had that. Was it where was it Silverside or something? Remember they had that Silverside. Remember that Silver. It was a race. Oh, Silverman. Silverman. Yeah. Was it Silverman? Yeah. Something like that. And they tried to get the best swimmer, the best cyclist, and a Kenyan runner. Mm. And remember the Kenyan had to do like a four hour marathon to get the the record. And he, he blew up. He couldn't he, do it. Yeah. He, I don't think he was a top Kenyan. <laughs> but but he was a guy who was like he, a probably a two fifteen kind of guy. Yeah. You know, and blew up, didn't even do like a four hour or something like yeah, that. Something yeah. crazy like yeah. that. So that's my little uh, sort of theory on how it could work. With if again, if I pose that same question I did to Laura Siddell, give me a thousand bucks, would they make it? A while ago I was said no chance. But seeing what these guys have done recently, uh, you know, with Lucy Charles at seventy point three worlds and with Christian Blumenfeld at Ironman and stuff. Uh, if they can get the teams right and the conditions are good, they've got, I would put my money on them. I just wonder 
how many people are going to be motivated. You're going to have to pay them a fair whack to really interrupt your season to go and go and do this. So, I, I think and Laura said this. We, we, you're going to hear this soon, but Laura said it as well. The females seems like a more achievable goal. Yes and no. I mean, when you actually look at the numbers, the, the, you know, the, the females, Lucy Charles has got to go uh, three kilometres an hour quicker on the bike and 10 seconds quicker on the run. And the guys, um, if we look at Christian Blumenfeld, he's got to go three kilometres an hour quicker on the run and seven seconds quicker on the... Oh, on the bike, he's got yeah. to go three kilometres an hour quicker on the bike and seven seconds quicker okay, on the run. Cool. Yep. So I, I initially had those same thoughts. However, I would say that Christian Blumenfeld's current time is probably more effective of his ability compared to Lucy Charles, who I think is probably quite a bit quicker than And also, if we look at the records in a traditional Ironman, the record for a female is about 818? I think it is, yeah. And the record for a yep. man's about 728. Or uh, Jan Fredino went 727 when he did his individual so the, one. The fastest female was closer to the eight than the fastest men to the seven. Hmm. So um, interesting stuff. Okay, this week's discussion. Good week, John. That was really good. Uh, this week's discussion we have, will you pay seven ninety nine to watch the coupleschallenge.com? Yeah, I have to admit, this sprung upon us. I don't recall seeing this news anywhere else. No. <laughs> and it, like with that field. Yeah. You know, maybe, yeah, yeah, interesting. So will, are you willing to pay? If so, why? And if not, why not as well? We're going to interview coming up. Here comes Laura Stell. Righto, team. Uh, we've got multiple Ironman winner and challenge winner from um, all different corners of the world. And she's a <laughs> globe-trotting athlete. So Laura Stell, welcome back to the show. Hey guys, it's good to chat. It's been it's been a while. It's uh yeah, it's good to be good to be back on with you guys and catch up. Well, that's what happens when you leave leave our yeah, mate, you leave our shores. <laughs> no, the, the, the ruin left, comes, you take off. I only left for five weeks. I haven't been able to get back since. I think oh, I was I was lucky that I actually packed up like my studio because I was going away for five weeks. When was it? Back in February 2020, and I was like, oh, I'll pack things up just to save on a bit of. A bit of rent, and I'm glad I did because then, yeah, I haven't been able to get back since then. <laughs> just, just you know, you, you you know, back in the day, we see quite a few pros in New Zealand. It's not so much of a thing right now. Why do you come to New Zealand? I know, right? I, yeah, you can't, but you know, y- yeah, no, I mean, I first came because um, when I was working with Matt Dixon in Purple Patch, and he worked with a coach, Paul Buick, who lives in um, out in Sumner Way, and so. Paul Buick kind of said, come down to Christchurch over New Zealand summer. And I came down and just fell in love with it. And I think possibly from living in Australia in the Southern Hemisphere for seven years, um, it felt, and I'm not comparing New Zealand to Australia, please don't take offense, yeah. New Zealanders. <laughs> but it just felt like, you know, like putting a kind of that cozy favorite jumper on and just, yeah, fell in love with Christchurch and, and loved it and the people and the training. And I think that's why I, yeah, that's why I kept going back for those summers and still would like to get back again sort of thing <laughs> next year next year yeah um awesome now i got in touch with you because i thought a few things i want to t- contact a few pros and sort of discuss through and then hey presto pop something pops up on the old facebook <laughs> yesterday that um laura's just been put onto the yeah. pto athlete board so firstly congratulations on that how did how did that all <laughs> come you. about yeah so that's um every year they vote the PTO members, so the athlete members vote for 
members to go onto the board. So um, the original members that were on, so the Rachel Joyce, Dylan McNeese, um, Sarah Pimpiano, Meredith Kessler, Scott DeFilippis, they were all on the board when things got off, up and running a few years ago. And in fact, they were pretty like the main instigators behind the, the PTO getting off the ground, you know, many, many years ago and, and that sort of thing. So they stood, they were on the board for two years. And so their term was up. They, we had a vote last year where we voted four new members onto the board, which was Alistair Brownlee, Sky Monch, Paula Finley and Lionel Sanders. Um, Lionel then stepped back off the board um, saying that I, I, I don't know for reasons, I think just the commitment side of it, he couldn't do. And so then this, this year round, um, it was three people getting voted back on to make those numbers back equal and it's 50 50 men women hmm. now the voting is a bit more complicated than that it goes on your ranking so anybody can nominate themselves to be put up for voting for the board so it doesn't matter what ranking you are in the pto as long as you're a pto member you can put yourself forward but there's certain rules around who can vote and you have to be um, you have to have three people from a certain ranking <laughs> yeah, supporting oh, really? your supporting your application. Um, I don't necessarily agree with all that kind of thing. And, and ultimately, only the top 50 can vote yeah. on those members going onto the board and actually only vote. Athletes ranked 1 to 25 could vote for one position. Mm -hmm. And then athletes ranked 26 to 50, 50 could vote for two positions, which was one male, one female. Mm. There's also um, a, um, the ranking is, um, how do I say, um, the higher ranked you are, the more votes you get as well. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah. Was, it, was it a, like, you know, did you have to play the political game or was it very much, you know, like how, how much work did you have to yeah. go into? Well, yeah. it was really weird because, yeah, I didn't, I wanted to put myself forward, but then, and then you have to sort of ask fellow members to say, will you kind of nominate me or support yeah. my application? But I was also kind of like, do, do we need to do, is this like a, a campaign rally? And yeah, should yeah, I be yeah. like putting stuff out on, on social media or is that not the done thing? Cause it's also new. So, I mean, we submitted sort of a paragraph to, um, to Dylan and the PTO to say why we wanted to be, to be on the board. And that was sent out to everyone when the voting, um, the voting went out. Um, but I didn't, yeah, I'm not sure I did a huge, I think it's still early days. I mean, I think it would be great to see as the PTO grows and over the next few years, if we do get to that stage of putting people on, voting people on the board and it becomes bigger voting so everybody can vote mm. and uh, more members from different rankings can vote. I think it'd be good to have that kind of like, what do you want to change and what's your driving passion to be on the board and that sort of thing and what do you want to achieve? And how and how do you want to rep them? And how do you want to represent the members ultimately? Because ultimately, we're there. We're sitting on the athlete board to represent the membership. So it's making sure we're upholding the membership views. So yeah, well, you're clearly doing a reasonable job because you obviously got voted on. So what what what, is, what does it actually um, mean for you <laughs> in terms of you know? Uh, is it just a matter of sitting on meetings, or you know, what does what does the role actually entail? Yeah, how much time is it? So we have a, a meeting once a month, which is about 90 minutes, two hours. And I've, I've only had one of those at the moment. So that was kind of the first one trying to sort of just observe and get the lay of the land. I mean, for me, it's about making a positive impact and 
making a change. And so at the end of my two years on the board, I can say, this is what we achieved as an athlete board and for the athlete members. Um, I'm still working out if that's what's expected <laughs> or if it is more of a like sit and listen. Um, I hope not because, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to be on it was to have an impact on the, the, the PTO in the sport of triathlon for now and for the, for future generations and, and to convey the, the voices of the membership up to the leadership and the commercial team and try and work on all those things that were sort of first talked about when the original forms of the PTO sort of came into being, um, you know, there's, there, there, you know, there's what the commercial, so, so I don't know how much people know that, there's the commercial board, um, which is obviously what a lot of people are seeing with the races that are going on and, and all of that being planned. And they're obviously trying to make the PTO sustainable in terms of generating that visibility, getting um, the sponsors involved uh, and that sort of thing. But then you've got the athlete board and the athlete members and it's, you know, what can we do for the membership around you know, how do you actually how, how do you actually survive as a pro a pro triathlete? How do you get insurance? How do you get how do you act as a business? How do you do your tax? You know, there's that those sort of things as well. Mm. Um, but it's also if that's what and, and then you know the rankings, which is always controversial, and things like that. It's trying to work out what what is it that will be most impactful for the PTO members that we can do as an athlete board, which is supportive and in conjunction with what the commercial team are doing, but overall it's for the better of the PTO and the whole, the whole of the sport kind of thing. Mm. Well, you're still an athlete as well. So you kind of got one, one boot and, yeah. and, and two, <laughs> two camps. So some of these questions you may know the answers to some, you might, might not, but you know, it's all looking really positive for this year with the Canadian open, the Collins cup and, and the U S open. So you kind of got three races spread, you know, July, August, September, which is a nice lead in for those that, you know, focusing on Kona as well. Um, looking at your ranking, you ranked 37th. My, my understanding is you need to be in the top 50 to get into those, um, uh, into those open events. Is that so correct? you need to be in the top 40. Top, oh, oh, yes. You do some racing, Laura. Keep your, yes. Keep your... Well, well, there's <laughs> yes. a controversial. We could, we could go down this. If, they, if the points from, I'm going to be controversial. I probably shouldn't say this. If the points from Challenge Roth last year had been correctly allocated, I would be a lot safer in the top 40 than they are, <laughs> than I am. But that's a right. different conversation. Um, wait, 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 I do want to know. Why, why wouldn't but, they just blame Torsten? Yeah, it's awesome. So why weren't they correctly allocated? Annie Haug did not get the recognition she deserved for her out-of-worldly performance in Challenge Roth. Okay. Her, her performance would have beaten Chrissy Wellington's previous record on that course and yeah. should have been up there with points reflective of that. Okay. And... Ah it was deemed that she couldn't possibly be given those points that would match Chrissy Wellington's record because that wasn't possible, which um, meant the rest of us got filtered got, down. Okay. There are other, there are other discrepancies between the AIT, which is sort of the predicted time of the course was 50, uh, no, and I, I, I might be wrong on this, but I have got it written down. It was 30 minutes difference between the men and the women's times, which was not, 
in keeping with which is with standard changes over men and women's times and races for a 10k short bike course there's a lot of things i can go into oh that's right i've tried short bike course yeah. it was a short bike course but even if you take that into account it doesn't explain the difference in the women's times to the men's times where the men's t- the men's course time only changed marginally i'd have to go back and look at my uh, data mm. i have the full argument and i've tried but it, <laughs> it, it hits a brick wall however that's another story um so for the the pto tour races you have to be ranked top 40 to sort of get the initial invite and then they will roll it down but they will only roll it down to the top 50 so okay. if they um if they haven't filled the slots for various reasons if people have got you know injured or other races and they've got down to the 50th ranked athlete, they won't go any further, mm. um, is as far as I've understood it. And do you plan on doing all these races if you are, you know, you, you have in the ranking? ranking? <laughs> yeah. um, yes, I do. I, I don't know that I plan on doing, well, all of them, albeit two of them. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think if I'm, if I'm still in that, that top 40 or top 50 and get a roll down slot, then I probably... I probably will still still support and go and do the races. The other catch is that they, the PTO have put an extra percentage of bonus points on those races. Oh, okay. So, so it adds, it's got further weighting that if you if you want to gain your ranking, you probably want to go mm. and race those because you get an extra 5%, I think, of points as well, which again, can be another topic and you can ad- agree or disagree on that as well. Um, I, we know there's really big money on offer, you know, a million dollars, but I couldn't find anywhere the sort of breakdown. And and I guess some the reason I direct this question at you, you know, someone like you, well, no, you're um, <laughs> yeah. you're somebody who is better at iron distance than you are at say a hundred yeah. kilometer race. And yeah. so you know, if I, if I was in your shoes, you're looking at it going, well, I could go and do an Ironman yeah. on the same weekend, totally. possibly win it or I could possibly get whatever place in there. So is it worthwhile for an athlete like you to be there? And do you know the the, the sort of breakdown of the money yet? Yeah. And that's a really, that's a really good point. I don't know. I think they have released the breakdown of the money. Um, I know they were, there was consideration of only paying the top again, the top few, but they've, I know, I think Dylan's done a lot of work. They are, they are actually paying. I think maybe the top 40, I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but they have Mm. done, work to pay a lot deeper which I think is great um mm. but yeah like at the and, and that's one of the things and I know it's coming and I know it will take time but for me the PTO was about the long course athletes so mm. you know the short course athletes they were they're supported by governing bodies they've got the WTS circuit they've got the Olympics they've got Super League now but the long course athletes didn't have any of that as a support and that's the original one of the or one of the original reasons why the PTO came about and yet at the moment it's still very much focused on short course athletes like the distances we're racing are like that 100k series which as you said for those of us that are, <laughs> that are older and slower and better at the longer course like it doesn't necessarily suit us and also mm. because of that short distance you're getting the crossover from the Olympic athletes coming in which you know mm. it's it's great. And I know why they're doing it. They need those big names. They need that crossover to get the visibility of the sport. And I know next year there's going to be, I think, I believe a long, a, a long, a full distance or a long distance race added into the PTO um, mm. tour or whatever you call it. 
but it's not there yet and it's kind of frustrating that it's yeah for the long course so it might so you're right it might be very well and I'd have to like look that up that Mm. um, and especially with the two world championships we've got this year you know we've got St George in May and then you've still got to qualify or you know most people have still got to qualify for Kona when Mm. do you put in that other full distance race to get that qualification it might be that it's better to go race in a, a full you know an Ironman or a full distance race and get a win or a podium and then you get your own sponsor bonus support and and uh, the race money from that rather than going and doing the PTO and, and yeah being 40th or mm. or or 50th I mean I think the, the pull from the PTO is is as I said that I think the points will be high for the races yeah. um and there's a extra bonus percentage points as well so then if you look long term over the year and you're ranking by the end of the year which again results in a payout then that Mm. you know and that's what they're trying to force you they're trying to force you to race their races because of that Mm. um and also partly just to support it to kind of go look this is i think you know I, i don't agree with everything we're doing or the way we're doing it but ultimately we do need the pto and ultimately it's kind of yeah we we need to support it and get it get it moving in the right direction just just on that you know because as an athlete you know the 100k distance you you know it's not going to be you're probably not going to be in the premium part of the field um whereas you go to another race and you can choose to race where you can be really competitive how motivating is it for you as an athlete to go to a race where you know it's it's going to be more challenging for you to perform at a higher level um I, so I, I had a bit of a, like, I've changed coach in the last couple of years. I now work with Julie Dibbons, who, who's based out of Boulder. Um, and I've also had a, a, a couple of years of injuries, which I refuse to admit is age, but, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's unusual for me, you know, I've, I've been really lucky throughout my career in life that I, I've had very little injuries, but I saw last year with the work I was doing with Julie some real breakthroughs in what I can still achieve as an individual as an athlete on the swim bike and run and so that's what motivates me is that I'm I can still see I've got room to improve I can improve and we saw that in some of the work we've done we're doing so like I raced Clash Daytona last year which ultimately again with and the field wasn't as strong it was going to be but it was still pretty strong and it was mainly short course specialists and so the reason you know the motivation for going there was to challenge myself to say okay it's probably not falling into your wheelhouse but let's just go and see what you can do and I had probably one of the best swims I've ever had the bike was solid and we were disappointed with the run in the end because it had been going well and that was kind of the one where we thought actually you've got some a chance to do something special on the run but it's that kind of but that and then pitching myself up against those shorter course athletes going okay I've still, I can still be competitive against the younger, shorter course athletes. So if I look then forward to like the PTO tour, it's still exciting to see, can I just still be in the mix and be competitive? And can I still be getting more out of myself as an individual athlete? So, um, I still motivating. Yeah. Like I think from the running I did last year, I would really love to do a fast half distance or a fast short distance. And I now saw, whereas yeah, previous years, I always thought, no, you're just so much better. The long, the longer, the better and the more grueling course, the better kind of thing. And I can just stick it out. 
actually mm. last year I was like, huh, maybe I can do a, a you know, a, a relative, a pretty fast half distance again, you know, for me and what I can achieve. And so that was quite motivating to go, oh, maybe I could try and pick out a race where I'm just going and seeing what I can do as an individual and then seeing where it, where it puts me. Um, as well as obviously I think I've still got um, improvement to in the long course, which, you know, and that's, that was the real breakthrough for me last year, sort of being an older athlete um, and being in the sport for a few years, even though I still feel so new that I suddenly had these, like, actually I can see I'm still getting better and I've got this opportunity to be even be- even the better athlete than I am for myself. One of the things I love about PTO is when you t- you mention a race, like two clicks and I'm there. See, so you finish fifth <laughs> place, only three minutes yep. off the three minutes off the wins. So I yep. do love the stats on PTO. <laughs> the um, stats that that website, the stats website, is is really good. I have to say yeah. that that's a really good resource to have. So you sort of explained your feelings with regards to you know the the open races. Um, I know you you hang out with probably a lot of the pros, and you're in Boulder, which is you know the hotbed of a lot of pro athletes. What's the feeling amongst the majority of them? You know, in terms of the top athletes and maybe the the mid range athletes and the lower athletes, um, in terms of going and doing these open races, does it feel like everyone's going to go and do them? Um, it's really hard to know at the moment. I think there is a lot of excitement and there is a lot of talk about these races. There's also a lot of frustration that it's limited to that top 40 or it's, and then with the extra points going, it makes it even harder for somebody sort of coming up through the ranks or newer into the sport to break into that ranking, that top 50, that top 40, and actually then get the, get the chance to race. Mm. Um, there's yeah so I think there's a mix but I think on the whole it's generally generally pretty positive um I think you'll always get um the leadership saying that it's only the lower ranked athletes that have the issue with everything I I think that's wrong to some extent I think a lot of the higher ranked athletes also have um issues or discrepancies with the way things are being done in some places with with the racing and the rankings but they are less inclined to be vocal about it because obviously do you want to um bite the hand that feeds you so to speak Mm. um so it's a really tricky but that's all it's also what i'm trying to do now i'm on the board is that i want to speak like so here being in boulder trying to get out and speak to as many people as possible of every rank to say like hey what is your thoughts is it good is it bad you know if for example like you know you say boulder's actually the hot better triathlon Girona is getting to be the hot better triathlon yeah. uh, with everyone and i you know i sat down with kyle smith and had a coffee with him before i left you know kiwi bloke and he was saying you know for him it saved the pto saved him last year like he was bricklaying um you know in new zealand and s- struggling to like you know, pay rent or put money, you know, get food on the table sort of thing. But his put it, the PTO putting money into Tauranga and his result there. And then he went on and had sort of his winning streak. And that meant he got selected for the Collins cup, got a payout from that and got a ranking bonus. Like, you know, for him, that's like, it saved my, my career kind of thing. I'd still be struggling to put, put pennies together sort of thing. So there's those, so that's, that's the good stories that you get. And there's a lot of that. Um, Mm. But I think, yeah, there's always, there's always kind of a mix. I think Mm. there's also a little bit of a, 
um, a feeling of how long is this going to last? Like, mm. I think a lot of people are struggling to see the longevity. So almost are going, well, I'm going to take the money and run now <laughs> mm. um, rather than see it because I don't know how long this is last, which, which is sad to me. I, I understand it. I understand it, but it's sad because for me, it's like, how are we making this sport better for the longer term? Um, and how, you know, it's probably not going to benefit me short term, but if I can make it better for a, a bigger, more depth, more competitive field and more supportive for those pros in the future, then that that's kind of my aim. But um, mm. yeah, so there's a real mix. There's a real mix is what I'm trying to say. I think most people on the whole see are very grateful for the PTO. They see the benefit of the PTO. They want it to work, but there's a lots of mix around how they go about how they go about doing that. But that is the same with any business, any new organization. Um, you know, you look back to the ITU days when they were went from the to the draft legal format and how much outcry and, and stuff that caused, and yet ultimately look at the sport now, sort of thing. Mm. And then one one area I was wondering whether you might have a conflict of interest is I think were you doing some commentary work on some of the Iron Man live stuff last yes. year and yeah, yeah. is is, is that going to come to a grinding halt now? Do you think? <laughs> um, I don't. I, I mean, I hope not. I really love the commentary side of things as well. Um, I really, I just want to see all the organisations working together, kind of thing. You know, the PTO to me is an athlete body organization and okay there's now got these series of events but I would love it if challenge clash Ironman PTO Super League WTS all the other independents worked together for the better of the sport for the better of the pros for the better of the age group athletes so um I mean I would love to do you know I was down to do some commentary for clash as well um which I'm hoping might still come off in the next few years um I've done some for challenge and I had the opportunity because I was in Boulder to do some of the Ironman commentary and I, and I just love it and I just love it and so my reasoning behind that is again it's telling the stories of the athletes it's not the alignment to a brand it's telling telling the stories of the athletes that I know and getting that visibility out there and so yeah I, I hope it doesn't <laughs> um, yeah. but I guess I'll cross that bridge if it if it happens. One thing we've been talking about on today's show is the sub seven, sub eight um, thing that's coming up yes. soon. Uh, your thoughts and do you think they can do it? Um, so there's a lot of, again, a lot of controversy about this. A lot of people are like just not interested and that's the thing. I'm I'm a sports nut, as you guys, you know, I'm a, sport, a sports fan. So I'm intrigued as if, you know, it's, you know, it's the marathon t- sub two hour project. So yeah. I'm fully aware that it's not a full iron distance race. It's not going to be challenging, you know, the, well, we don't have world records, so whatever you want to talk about that, but the fastest times over an iron distance as an individual. But I'm interested to see what is humanly possible, given that, you know, the, the conditions, you know, the racetrack they've, they've picked, the fact that you can have the drafters, uh, the, sorry, the team to, to help with that sort of thing. I'm, I'm intrigued from that side of things. You know, I think it would be, if you'd have asked me a year ago, I would have said, I think Lucy Charles, I think the women have a much better chance of breaking sub eight than I thought the men had of sub seven. And then Christian came onto the scene doing the full distance. And now I'm going, okay, I might re, uh, I might change that. I think, you know, I think, and having met Christian a little bit and spoke to him, like, 
it's exciting. It's super exciting what the Norwegians are doing and what they believe they can do, not just in this sub seven, but just generally in the sport and scary at the same time. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm not overly like caught up in the hype, but I'm intrigued about it. And I will be definitely interested in it to see what, to see what, what can be done. Um, I think that, Oh, I mean, obviously Nicola's broken her wrist at the moment, mm. but that didn't seem to stop her before the Olympics in Rio with a broken hand um, and still came away with a medal. So I don't think we should be too concerned, but obviously I, I would imagine Lucy has a better chance just because she's got that swim um, behind her. And I think we'll see, we saw a new, a new Lucy Charles Barkley last year. Um, and I think, you know, she's probably more than capable with the right team around her to, to get, to get close or to, to break it. I wouldn't write Nicola off either though, given her background and what she can achieve over all distances. I, on the men's side, again, I think Christian is highly likely to get close or achieve it again, just they're so detailed. They're looking at everything. They seem to know how to get the training right. Um, and I'll question Mark over Alistair. Yeah. <laughs> there <Yeah>. we go. <laughs> yeah. so if you had I, don't, a, I don't know. I don't know about that one. If, <laughs> I'd love to. You, I'd love to see him do it as well. Obviously, but yeah, not so sure. If you had a thousand bucks, um, yeah, pay, paying paying sort of ten to one or something, would you put yeah, yeah. it on them? Them making it or not making it? Oh, um, I would say with yeah, uh, uh, making it. I'm going to yeah. say making it. Yeah. Very good. Got to be positive. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, another positive thing. I saw you, you managed to break three hours um, at Challenge Rope last year, um, which I, yeah. I might be wrong. It might be the first time you've done that. Yeah. Um, but what, what, what sort of made the difference for you with your, with your running last year? Oh, gosh. I know. So that was, yeah, I mean, that was one of the, the, the breakthroughs. And um, I think one working with Julie has just been amazing. And she's done, we've done some great working work on the run. And actually, leading into Roth last year, I was not in a, a good place. I, I was, I mean, I was lucky to go to Tokyo for the Paralympic Games. I was a reserve, a reserve guide, but um, I actually really struggled with that, that period leading into Roth. And Roth's one of my favorite races and I arrived at the race like really I mean you guys know what Roth is like and yeah there's I mean it was a little bit different last year with it being COVID it was a little bit muted in in events and and everything but I just couldn't I arrived there and I was just feeling so kind of flat and low on confidence and we and it's very rare that you put down for a race to have a goal of like a target sub three run because you know you, you never normally sort of do that thing but um that's actually what we spoke about before the race. Um, I, I was like, you know, you've got to get your head in this because it's a long day as it is. And if it's a long day and you're feeling crappy and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be there before you even start, then it's even, it's even longer. So it was kind of going into that race going, you know, just enjoy being back out there. Enjoy being back in Roth. You love it. Enjoy being on the bike. Just enjoy riding your bike around that course. And I didn't have, again, I didn't have a, a, a great, swim from again the work we'd I'd been doing but um I had a pretty solid bike and I just I, I really enjoyed it which was the plan and then I got off and I was like right let's just see what we can do and um I felt really great for the first 10k and um I was just focused yeah focused on my running and pace and heart rate was good and, and the pace was good for the first 10k and then you get out on the canal and 
I think I passed a few people, but then you're in that no man's land. And I was like, okay, this is now starting to kind of <laughs> get quite long winded. Um, but then you realize that everyone else is suffering as well. You know, I got back into town and suddenly, you know, second and third were suffering and they weren't that far ahead. And that gives you a bit of a spurt. And yeah, I just felt strong to the end. So I think it's just, um, yeah, I was super chuffed. And I think just, I credit it down to the work I've been doing with, with Julie. I really wish I'd have worked with her a few years prior. Um, I can't say, I, I mean, I actually, so I had a calf injury at the beginning of last year and was actually using the lever running system. I don't know if you, you guys yeah. might be yeah. aware of it. Yeah. Absolutely. It was one of the yeah. first, one of the first people to start using that. And I, I could, it was probably the best thing I bought in 2020. Um, and I still use it to this day. Like even, you know, it's, it's now part of my training tools, so to speak. Um, and I actually think that's probably that, um, Dibs's coaching has helped my running, running no end. Nice. So yeah, so that's good result, but isn't it? You, you know, have, you have mentioned Anne Haug's performance there. Bloody hell, she wouldn't have been too oh, far oof. off going sub sub eight hours. Uh, no, exactly. That's the right? thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was. That's she would. I, I worked it out. Like even if you add on, however long, like fifteen minutes for ten yeah. k, which was what the bike course was short. Yeah. And that's going, that's, that's a slow 10 K for that course kind of thing at the speed that yeah. she was going. And then maybe slightly slower on the run. She'd have still gone faster than Chris's, Chris's record on that course. Yeah. And that's the yeah. crazy thing. Yeah. Her, that, yeah. that her and take the points out of it, but her performance in Roth has not been given the credit just as a performance that it deserves because I think whether it was because the course was short um, but that, that was like a career best day. And I don't think she got the accolades for quite how good that performance was. And equally Patrick yeah. Langer probably didn't either. Yeah. Always, yeah, yeah, always exactly. He's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's not good. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. 7.19. Again, you add on sort of 10 minutes to that or 15 minutes to that. Yeah. Uh, very good. Okay. Anything else you want to get out there in terms of what you're up to? Anything you're promoting? Or um, I know oh, you do a lot hmm. of sort of giving, giving back and things like that. It's, uh, you know, you're, you're certainly active out there in the community. So uh, either what's coming up or, or anything you want to promote out there. Um, I mean, what's coming? I, I head to a race in Chile in a few weeks, and then we've got got St George Ironman, St George World, the the worlds from 2020, 2019, is it? I'm not sure. No, 2020, <laughs> yeah, whatever 2021, it <laughs> whatever yeah. it is. Um, no, just to say, yeah, no, it's really great to chat to you guys. I miss New Zealand a lot. I thought it was really upset to see Wanaka and Ironman New Zealand get cancelled again this year. Um, obviously just know how much people had trained for it. And uh, it was great to see Coast to Coast happen in somewhat different formats. Um, although the weather looked horrible that day. I don't know what you guys, yeah, um, but no, yeah, but no, just saying hello to everyone. And yeah, I've got a few projects on the go. I'm doing some work um, with Souls for Souls, which is an organization that sort of collects Shoe, uh, shoes and kit that people no longer need and gives that a second life so there's a and then working with the british triathlon sustainability commission as well so yeah i seem to be spreading myself in a in a few areas but uh no just uh 
want to would love to see and chat to everyone and say hello to everyone is probably probably my message mostly <laughs> mm. i will see, see the sky challenge is happening next weekend so we have still I, did, got some actually, races. I did see that yes yeah that'd be great Make, making it happen it's, it's a bit of yeah. a challenge but it's happening so guys yeah. if you want to if you want to check out laura um go to laurasiddell.com or you can go find her all the instagram and, and things like that so as always laura thanks so much for your time and yeah, awesome. um, hopefully see you back down here next summer I definitely hope so. Pleasure to talk to you guys. Great to catch up. And yeah, let's hope the next time we catch up is uh, with a beer or face-to-face somewhere, but hopefully in Christchurch. Awesome. Thanks, man. John, what are your thoughts? No, it's good. You know, um, it's good to get, I always probably pump up PTO with pretty much everything they're doing, but you know, there's plenty of areas where they can improve on. Do you know what I liked about that interview? Mm-hmm. Like she's gone on the board, mm-hmm. but she was fair and, you know, mm-hmm. and but also pulled out some stuff that needed to be worked on. Mm-hmm. Um she wasn't just playing the company game, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and you, you definitely understand both sides of the argument. You know, I think in a perfect world, the PTO, you'd have three Ironman races because it's, it is long distance races. Yeah. But that's the commercial side. I've got to go, get what you're saying, but we've got to kind of look at the other side of the coin. So, yeah, all very, very balanced. Good stuff. Okay, let's go. Whoops. Side of the week. Race Republic. I got a little email through. I don't know how. I think I subscribed to something or other, and which is Everesting because I was. I think I was interested in looking at it to Everest you can do it. stage. Uh, I'm not committing to it. I'll do it one day, whether I do inside or outside. I think I just was trying to figure out uh, different hills around Christchurch. How, you, how would you train for it? Uh, lots of hills. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so let's say you're going to go. I'm going to do Everesting. What kind of time frame would you give yourself? Um, if you're fit, you don't don't need that that long. Um, what, like yeah. three months? Yeah, easy. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Do it today, mate. Well, if you, uh, <laughs> it's not as it's it's really hard, but especially do the Zwifting one. You don't need to. Get, well, if you fit, a little bit of specific. I wish it was around when fine. it wasn't really around when I was, you know, like an Uber cyclist. Uh, so anyway, I think I was on, must have registered on the website to figure out the local hills, how many times you'd have to do them, and I got an email. I think it was yesterday or the day before, and there's a new a new app that's come out that uh, allows you to do Everesting but they're actually climbing up Mount Everest. Now, I haven't tried this, so it's purely oh. just going off what they've got on their website. Uh, so it's called racerepublic.com. And normally when you do Everesting indoors on your smart trainer, people will do it on Zwift, and they'll go up and down, up to Zwift. You've got to do it eight and a half times, I think it is, uh, and it's going to take you, you know, 10 to 15, 16 hours, something like that. Um, so for someone like me, you know, it'd be taking me probably an hour 10 per climb something like that and so you've got you know about 10 hours of climbing in front of you plus the descending but you get a little break each time you get to the top you turn around and you and then you can get off your bike and your bike just spins down the bottom and you go back up so you're kind of doing eight by you know one hour 10 intervals climbing the mountain however some um clever clogs has gone and no downhill created a, a virtual ride up Mount Everest and I'm not sure if they've used Google Earth or, or quite how they've done this. It looks like it looks like a Google Earth. Kind yeah. of, yeah, there's companies that make these things. It looks like it based on what I'm seeing. But it's basically an app platform and they've got two amazing courses. They've got a 50 miler which has got a 12% incline. I'm guessing that's an average of 12%. And then a 100 miler which is an average of a 6%. It looks quite funky. Don't know what it'll be like Get to, to choose do, your bike. do the whole thing. Uh, and, and and I think they've done it. looks like they've done a good job. You can go in there and get a free trial and go and ride um, 15, minutes. Know, 15 minutes or something like that to see what it's like. Then if you do want to do it, it's uh, I think it's 250 bucks to actually sign up to do it. 
Uh, it just looked a bit gimmicky to me. If you want to give it to Everesting uh, with a continuous climb, that's going to uh, be tough. It's going to be tough, but you still have breaks. But you wouldn't have like that Zwift where you sort of your bike's going downhill for you know ten to fifteen minutes or so. Uh, so yeah, just thought I'd share it with the. The community got to climb eight thousand eight hundred and forty-nine meters, meters, uh, which is twenty-nine thousand. So how long does everything normally take? Well, yeah, as for me, it would probably be ten hours of climbing-ish. Of um, climbing, yeah, plus the descending. So, yeah, twelve hours. I haven't done it. That's just a plucking number out of the air, but it's in that range. So, for somebody who's a little bit slower, you're probably looking at fifteen hours, something like that. Jeez, that'd be tough just doing up the whole way. It would, yeah. Because at least with the you know traditional way of doing it, you are doing it down. Hmm. You get a moment. So I'm going to go check it out and at some stage, and I'll give you guys some feedback once I've uh, sussed it out. But it's called RaceRepublic.com. Oh, I like it. Something, something a bit different using the, using your initiative. Okay, let's go. Wanger the week. You're putting my number again. You've said number twenty. Did you, why twenty? Uh, that's what Random.org gave me. Uh-oh. So, good um, oh, no, no, buddy. Right, computer's working again. Good old uh, Righty ho. So we had this week. I chose number twenty, which was Jared Picun, and he's from Denver, Colorado. Uh, looks like still a bit of wintry time over there. And and, uh, and where did he? What did he do for his week? He did seventeen hours and thirty-five minutes of training from eighteen activities to two hours and fifteen minutes of swimming, eight hours and thirty-six minutes of running, and six hours forty-three minutes of no, 8 hours 36 minutes of cycling and 6 hours 43 minutes of running. So as I said, he is from Denver, uh, Denver, Colorado. And yeah, plenty of Zwifting by the look of it, both running and cycling over the last little period. So inside time, solid amount of training. Nice work, Jared Pican. You are our winner, winner of the week. week. Okay, John Swimsuit. Well, let's have a look at this here. John Swimsuit. Oh, you've got a lot happening here. What's happening here? Well, it's all changing, Bevan. It's, all it's, sh- it's time to focus on... Uh, time You're to doing focus John's on training week. Yeah, so I kind of thought... I'm starting to build up towards the Kona 70.3. Yep. So I'll give people a quick rundown of what I do each week in terms of training. Hopefully you'll find it interesting and, and hopefully it's re- reflective of, you know, probably a more typical age grouper out there. I'm certainly no pro racer these days and have to fit training around life and everything like that are you getting more time now with the kids getting older so uh not really no huh. selfish no. kids so the next few, few weeks are going to be messy what i'll do next week is actually go through the process that i do just around setting my expectations for the race um so you've got something here you're sort of working towards but a quick summary of what i did last week uh monday did uh one of the focuses for me is to, i need to lift my swim game a little bit so I'm, I'm doing swim cords twice a week as well as two swims so do 20 minutes of swim cords and then i do a coaching a run session so I do 30 minutes of core before that and then do a run hour one hour run where we do some running drills some pace work um and did some hill circuits last week where we so go up a couple of steep hills and uh, I think it was like four by roughly eight minutes at a, at a reasonable sort of clip. That was Monday wrapped up. Uh, Tuesday, I had my traditional Tuesday morning swim. We did three to three and a half uh, k's of swimming with intervals. Uh, bike up to Bevan's place and then go out and do one hour at around about my Ironman effort, which is uh, sort of 72 to 75% of FTP. So for me, that was sort of sitting around 225 watts on the flat and just cruising around. Um, Wednesday for me is uh, coaching on a bike trainer in the morning. Last week we did sort of 60 to 75 minutes and the main set was 6 by 5 minutes 
where alternating one of them was at around 85 to 90 percent of FTP and the other one was a ramp where you did uh, one minute 80 percent one minute 90 one minute 100 one minute 110 one minute 120 so it gets fairly tricky towards the end uh, I think we were having two minutes recovery so it's about a 42 minute um, block and then ran one hour off the bike around my sort of little bit quicker than Ironman pace Thursday I need to get my long run up um, which I haven't been doing a lot of lately so it was an hour 45 run which I combined with a bit of a, a visit to an athlete I'm coaching so trying to kill two birds with one stone and did another 20 minutes of swim cords. Friday have a swim, uh, swim only day so a day off the legs, um, did 1200 metres of hard work within that and another 30 minutes of core and then Saturday did a 100 mile bike ride or 158 kilometres with 3 by 1 hour at around about Ironman power and then I'll talk about that in a moment and then Sunday was uh, the hardest day of the week despite not doing any swim bike or run did a 7 hour hike with the family Ooh. and it was pretty tough and my legs feel like I've done a bloody Ironman however Bevan when did um, Gorges, which is our classic, oh, yeah, Gorges, I've done that a lot of time. Classic uh, Christchurch ride, um, yeah, as you said, 158 kilometres. It was a calamity of disaster. Oh, why? However, felt really good all the way through, which was great. First thing, I've lost my light, I've, and I had to put on my old light. Put that on, get halfway down the street, starting to come in loose already. Ugh. So that was calamity number one. Calamity number two. Met up with Hayden Beta. He was doing the, the circuit with me. His wife used, came to your running yeah, group for surely. a little while. Yep, yep. And just as I pulled up to a set of lights to meet him, warning on my um, power, power meter. meter, power meter battery low. <laughs> About five minutes later, power meter better. <laughs> power meter flat uh this was after me just sort of preaching to everybody about checking your batteries yep. regularly the yep. other day uh so i was thinking bloody hell and then i looked down heart rate monitor battery flat as well so anyway this is going to be a uh no data day which was kind of good and kind of bad then we're riding along and just outside petty. rangiora we started at 5 30 in the morning so it's still dark um and you know, for an hour and a half of darkness or at least an hour of darkness and hit this ginormous pothole oh, <laughs> and both bottles go flying out of the back of my bike and both of Hayden's did as well and uh, I only actually had one bottle there and the other one was like all my tools and stuff just pull over on the side gotta go back and get them just as we pull over truck comes along <laughs> boom runs straight <laughs> over my drink bottle <laughs> That's um, about a third of my a third of my nutrition for this bike ride uh, gone ski, and I only had a little aero bottle, which is tiny. They only carry maybe yeah. five hundred mils, and there's not many places on this bike ride you can fill up with a drink. So I'm going, oh my god! Thankfully, I had quite a bit of food with me, um, but we had to have a couple of pit stops to to fill that up. Um, didn't get a puncture, which was a real bonus anywhere on the bike ride. And then I was going into the last rep, the roads around. New Zealand is so rough you're just vibrating like crazy on this bike ride and uh, and then I'm just looking down at my, my bike computer I'm going that's not really quite straight and then I, the, my aero bar is not really straight either and then I just had a little pull on the aero bar and it, that was coming loose Oh geez. and I'd actually lost a bolt out of the bottom it had been, it had been shaken out vibrated out of my bloody aero bar uh, and so then I had to do the last interval with a slightly loose aero bar Jeez, but that. felt great, pretty good all the way through and doing a blind session was kind of good. You're kind of going, this feels about right. And then I looked at Hayden's numbers afterwards, and I, was, I reckon I was pretty much nailed all three of them. Oh, that's good times. Look at that so that's where the build-up starts now. Kona's 
I think it's 15 or 16 weeks away. If you want to come over on the camp, it's going to be good times. Um, if you do, you've only got a couple of weeks because I've only got a couple of slots left for the for the race. Uh, so check out epiccamp.com if you want to come over to Kona. Okay, John, let's uh, wrap things up here. Let's say thank you to our patrons. Murray, the holy hammer, Lapworth. We've got Phil, the Philinator, Patterson. And Fred's, Fred, I didn't, couldn't find a nickname for Fred, um, but so I made one up. His name's Fred Litz, and I've gone Fred, the linebacker Litz. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah double L. Double uh, L. If you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. It's all pretty simple. Support the boys, support the show. If you want to get some coaching, go to coachjohnnewsome.com. Uh, for my podcast Bevan James Isles show go to bevanjamesisles.com for other content age group week cool websites other feedback I'm talk podcast at gmail.com so you went on a long journey long walk it was, it was full on two and a half hours straight up a bloody mountain uh, and it was tough and we did it on a day where there wasn't a view so you didn't get that yeah uh, that kind of epiphany s- at the top yeah but it was good we got some nice um, nice things to look at as we went around the walk but good challenging day uh, yeah it was tough and I'm certainly feeling it. And initially... Were you over each other by the end of it? Yeah, the last bit was, was dragging a bit. Um, and initially the kids said, they, Blinder and I were going, geez, we're going to be sore after that. And the kids initially said, nah, we're fine. And luckily yesterday, they, said they were both pretty sore as well. Yeah. So I got a little bit of satisfaction out of that. So what, you did it on... Sunday. Oh, okay. okay. Bevan, what's happening in your world? The book's gone to the printer. Nice. I can't make any any mistakes now, John. I've read the book about twelve bloody times. Yeah, you won't see the mistakes. No, I can't. No, but you haven't a professional proofer. Mm-hmm. And there was I read it again. There was one mistake. It wasn't a proofing mistake because I just hadn't put a bullet point where it should have been. Um, yeah, it's it's really funny writing a book, John, mm-hmm. because I, I've written a book which I really believe can help non-exercisers and and. Put a, it's been a two-year project. It's been a mm-hmm. massive project, and, we, and we've invested money in it and all the rest of it. So it's a big kind of thing, um, and you, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. You like you just don't know. A a a if it's going to be successful, and, and I you know we've got a bit of marketing plan, and, and I understand business a little bit, so hopefully we can make it work on that front. Um, but more importantly, will it actually help people? Mm-hmm. You know, because I've written a book. You know, it's called "I Will Make You Passionate About Exercise," and it's helping people who aren't exercising. And I've got a lot of experience in that field, so I really think I can help people do it. But you, you know, you read it again, you think, "Oh, I think I've got it right. I think I've got it right." But you, you know, you don't know until it's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was listening to a really good business book the other day, and they're talking about how, you know, they're talking about how um, small business owners stuff up because they listen to their friends, <laughs> and and what it was, it was, it was kind of the point was. Um, the the market will tell you if you've got it wrong or right. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you, let's say you've got a cool idea and you'll say, oh, you know, I've got, I want to, I've got this business idea. And you tell your mates, oh yeah, I'll buy all of them. You mm-hmm. know, but they're just being kind. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Market will actually tell you if it's a good idea or not. Mm-hmm. And this kind of book was just saying, get to the market quickly and learn if it's a good product or not. But um, with a book, you can't really do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I do think there's a market for the book because lots of people aren't moving. Um, but yeah, I have to admit, you do have doubt, and you know, so it's kind of just a—it's a really interesting moment in my life where I put this a lot of time and effort into this project, which potentially can help a lot of people, and hopefully can. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It's we'll pretty see. fascinating. So, yeah. Then that went to the cricket. Mm-hmm. Told my wife, I told my wife three times, four times before we left. My wife, my, now my wife is amazing in every front, and she's misorganised to the max. Mm-hmm. Like we go anywhere, it's organised. She even made like muffins for the cricket and stuff. Mm-hmm. Everything was organised. Looked a bit cold outside and said, Maybe you should take a jacket. No, no. Come on, Marino. And I, I probably said it five times, got to the cricket. Who needed a jacket? 
Do you have to give yours up though? I didn't give mine up. <laughs> you <laughs> use it for a legs. So, so the jacket, would then, you know, so next time I go to cricket, we're taking it. What's worse, last week we were talking about spanking the South Africans and it was it was a joke, the first cricket test. Yeah, but they've and come back. And then they're probably going to beat us today. I know, and the problem is we were going to get number one in the world ranking. Mm. So that's not good. Mm. Did you watch the rugby on Saturday night? Negative. Oh, you missed out. Playing. Auckland, Wellington, what a game. Oh. Wellington were down by about 15 points with 10 minutes ago. They came back and won it. Mm. I saw it in the highlights. Oh, it's amazing. What about you, John? Uh, I am going Super League style this weekend, Bevan. I am going to do a double header race that I've never done before. What are you doing? So I'm racing on Friday night, doing like a sprint race, sprint race so it's slightly shorter than a sprint, at the old Lake Crichton Triathlon. Kept getting in the car after we're done, and we're dry, keeping on going south. We're going down to Oamaru, which is uh, three hours south of Christchurch. Uh, Sad day chilling out and then doing another race on Sunday so two races in one weekend that's kind of good awesome. times what's the most races you've done have you done three in a weekend no I've never done two in a weekend either have you, what about no. when you were in France no I never never did that oh. uh, at least I can't remember doing it but uh, I raced multiple weekends back to back but not the same weekend what's the most races you've done in a year well when we were in France the second year I, I seem to recall doing something like seven out of the first 10 weekends racing and then July is always a bit quiet and then maybe had a three-week break and then I think I did 10 out of 11 the next uh, the next block. How something body, like How that. was your body at the end of that? Were you just on I fire? I was on fire. Yeah, I, I was imagine. in the best shape of my life. That's when I came back and did like the Laguna Phuket race, which was the old Peter Reid favourite, yeah, yeah. uh, and the Hong Kong race, which I won as well, and that was in the best shape of my life. You beat Peter Reid, didn't you? I did beat Peter Reid, yeah. yeah. Just like you didn't say that. <laughs> we haven't said that in a while. Back in the old days, that was on every episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.